Welcome to Gratitude, the grad school guide for student physical therapists. I'm Sarah. And I'm Gabby. And we are two first-year physical therapy students sharing our grad school experiences to help PT students around the world. Embark on this journey with us as we navigate through the insanity of physical therapy school together. Are you struggling financially in PT school? Are you a PT student struggling to find scholarships? Not enough scholarships offered at your school. We have started the Gratitude Scholarship for PT students, no matter what year, no matter what school you guys can apply. We are raising $5,000. You can check out our GoFundMe link in the description and you can donate, apply, whatever, check it out. We are so excited to be giving this away in the summer of 2019 for our very first time. If you're enrolled in the summer of 2019, interested in applying for the scholarship, you can submit a video no longer than two minutes answering these two questions. What is your vision of physical therapy in the future? And what are you doing outside of the classroom as a PT student? If you answer these two questions and email us the video and submit it before May 1st, then you will be eligible for the scholarship. So check it out, guys. Definitely worth applying. It doesn't take long. We look forward to hearing all your submissions. Thank you. So in today's episode with Andrew Tyler Nieberg, also known as ATK, he talked about what inspired him to become a clinical instructor and what makes a, a good CI. We dive more uh, into that as we talk about his experience and some of our experiences so far with clinical rotations. And then we go more into how to handle situations where you are either not being challenged enough or if you're being thrown under the bus, because we all know there are good and bad CIs out there. If you're just like thrown the schedule on day two, that's never a good thing. So how to handle those awkward situations, like how to approach your CI or just approach your school to kind of work through that so you're not stuck there in a terrible situation and you know or you get through it somehow and just how to handle that awkwardness. We also touch on a program um, actually that we have had an episode on which is Fitbooks. In case any of you need student loan help I would highly recommend you go listen to this episode but we also go um, a little more into it in Andrew's episode. Yes, so Fitbox is episode four for those of you who have been keeping track. And so Joseph Ranke is the founder of Fitbox um, and that is a free thing. You can just call and then talk to him to figure out a plan on how to repay your loans. And also ATK recommended Will Butler as well for student loan help because both of these people saved Andrew so much money, like 15 grand on repaying his loans. And that is, that is astounding. <laughs> so he has a ton of advice for you guys, for PT students. So take a listen and enjoy the episode. Welcome to another episode of Gratitude. So for today's episode, we have a very special guest and a good friend of ours, Andrew. And welcome to the show. Well, thank you so much, Gabby and Sarah, for having me on. I'm, I'm just honored that you reached out to me to come on y'all's podcast. I'm, I feel like I'm always the one asking other people to be on my podcast, 
but uh, it's, it's nice to be interviewed by someone else. I'm super excited to be on here, y'all. Yes, we are so pumped to have you and to just know a little bit more about your story into PT school. Gosh, how far do you want me to go back? Just like, <laughs> an, an, like an undergrad or? Yeah, sure. So it all started just real quick, like back in high school when I took a sports medicine class, athletic training class, and the head athletic trainer at my school was just, he was so good at just teaching and, and teaching us everything and really instilled in me like that that thought of, you know, okay, there's athletic training. Like I really like the sports medicine aspect of it. And then, and then I started doing some athletic training hours and then I figured out what their hours were like and how much they got paid. Not that it's all about the money, but I was like, you know, I kind of looked into other options like physical therapy, physician assistant. Then I shadowed at the clinic I currently work at, shadowed for a little bit and then became um, hired on as a physical therapy aide or a tech position and worked there for about six to eight months and just that's where it really all started for me and I just fell in love with physical therapy just seeing seeing all the different transformations of people getting better after surgery like without surgery and just just the amazing stories and just talking with patients and having a good time and uh, that's kind of what led me into getting into physical therapy in the first place when I applied to physical therapy school I did it the wrong way like I think a lot of us do and for anyone out there who is looking to apply to PT school, please talk to people who have been there and done it before because it'll make your life so much easier. And I wish I would have known people like I know you guys today and all the other people that you know are part of the community I'm a part of. So I applied to four physical therapy schools the first time because that's what the, after you took the GRE, it gave you like four options to say, where do you want to send them off to these four schools? And I'm like, oh, cool, like great four schools, I'll get in, like no problem. Well, I didn't realize how competitive it was at that time. So sent them off to those four schools, had all my observation hours and everything. I thought I was good. Well, I got one interview at uh, UAB, which is in Birmingham, Alabama, and uh, which was my top choice. Interview went really well, didn't get in, of course, like a lot of us do. And so then the second time around, I was like, what can I do to improve my application? So I went to all the different schools and asked them, you know, you know, what can I do? Like, what, what, where's the gap? Like, what am I missing? And they said, you probably want to retake your, like one of your physics two classes and then one of your anatomy classes that you got like a C in. And if you get an A or a B, that can show that you've improved your application, maybe do some more diverse hours, like in the different uh, PT settings. And so I went and did that and just did exactly what they said. And I, I don't know about y'all, but, or anyone listening, but I didn't want to take three, four, five, six years to apply to PT school. I want to get out, get done, start working so I can have an income and start a life. So the second time around, I applied to 18 physical therapy schools and probably cost about $2,100 and retook the GRE again. And I got six different interviews and they all went really well or I thought they went really well. And I only got, I ended up getting into to one school which was Tennessee State University in Nashville. And uh, if I didn't apply to 18 schools and click, click that one school, I'd probably still be applying to PT school again. So um, yeah, that's kind of my journey of uh, getting into PT school. I think that's so good for PT students and aspiring PT students to hear because, you know, it is hard to get into PT school and it's easy to get discouraged. I mean, Gabby and I both took a year off and a lot of people like get discouraged in that year off. I think it's so cool that 
you really, I mean, you applied to 18 schools your second time. That's insane. That's so great though. Yeah, it was definitely a lot of money, but I, I kind of looked at it like, because it all came out of my pocket at that time as a, as a broke college student. But I looked at it as, even I was dumb back then, I looked at it as, okay, like I put in 1600 to $2,100 to apply to all these schools and really improve my chances of getting in. It's kind of obvious. And, but that's like, an, you got to look at it like an investment. Like if I don't get in and apply to 20 schools, well, this must, you know, I must be doing something wrong. So yeah, I just took a risk and spent all that money and it paid off. Yeah, that's, that's really great. And with the interviews, so you had, it seems like you had multiple interviews, any sort of advice you would give to someone who's going to an interview and how to prepare or how did you prepare for those interviews? Yeah, of course. So maybe it's just me, but the biggest thing to me is like initially as a first impression is appearance. Please, please, please do not show up in jeans. If I was a faculty or professor, I'd kick you out right away. I wouldn't even like, I'd say, all right, well, you might want to go home and change. So make sure you're looking sharp. I actually, I think wore a suit. So just make sure you're looking, you know, dressed into your nines. Um, So that's the first thing. Really ask, ask around um, other people in previous classes and, and see kind of what kind of questions they ask. They're not going to, probably not going to tell you the exact questions they ask, but at least you have an idea of what to look for. So have some preparation as far as what questions are to be expected and how you're going to answer them. Also do your research. It's important to do your research on this, the programs that you're, maybe like your top three or five you're applying to that you're getting interviewed to, and really do your research and see, get to know the faculty like by their name. That way when you see them, you say, oh, yeah, I read up about you. Like I heard, saw you have a CSCS, yada, yada, yada. Um, just that really impresses them if you like know about their program and ask questions about maybe their volunteer opportunities or different like organizations that they're a part of. And that, that goes a long way. Besides that, just really being yourself, like don't be overly cocky and confident, but also don't be extremely shy. Just, just be yourself. Ask a lot of questions, like don't leave with any unanswered questions. And that's pretty much it. You you just gotta, you gotta be on your A game. But at, at the end of the day, you don't need to be intimidated by these professors. Like they're just 20, 30 years ahead of you. They're just normal people. It's just physical therapy school. Like they're people like us. So just talk to them like people. Don't be intimidated by them and you'll crush it. And now here you are crushing it over here. So, so Andrew, what do you have going on in your PT world right now? So right now I'm coming up on three years out of physical therapy school and funny how it works, how life works. The same clinic that I did, like I said earlier, the volunteer hours at became a tech, did my first clinical there, and I ended up taking my job there. So really keep those connections that you have from your clinicals and, and previous like work experience. Um, so I'm working for that company now. It's a outpatient private practice clinic here in Georgia. And I've been there three years now. And it's um, we're actually like connected to the location I'm in is like connected next to a gym. So it's nice to have a lot of that equipment next door that I can transition patients into like working out and stuff. It's a great place to work. It's a great environment. We're growing every day. We've actually added in the last eight months, we've added three physical therapists. So we've just been really growing and helping a lot of people. And it's just been a huge blessing. And uh, in addition to the physical therapy stuff, about a year ago, I started a, a podcast called the Fresh PT Podcast. I didn't, I thought it was a cool name, but when, when my co-host and I started it, we, we didn't think anyone would listen to it. You know, we're 
Uh, probably like y'all did when you first started your podcast. No one's going to want to listen to what we have to talk about. And then you look at it, you're like, wow, people are actually listening to our stuff and asking us questions. That's pretty cool. So I started that a year ago and just um, been grinding with that and trying to do the best we can with that and, and get out to a lot of people and help them out. So that's kind of what I'm up to these days. That's awesome. I know I've listened to your podcast before and you and Will do it, an amazing job. You've had some really great guests on. And I think one of, uh, one of my favorites was Kristen. She is, shout out to Kristen Smith. <laughs> she is great. But um, yeah, no, that, that is so great that um, you started a podcast and you're working. So you're working in a clinic right now that you really enjoy and you enjoy going to work. And that's how it should be. I know a lot of people talk about burnout and, you know, it is a real thing, but you really have to love like going to work, being with your patients and your coworkers. Cause if you're in that and you're in that environment and it's going to make it so much better. Absolutely. And as far as taking your first job out of school, you're going to be, you know, you're going to have a lot of student loan debt most likely. And I highly recommend not to pick, the highest paying job just because of that, because of the benefits, but really look at the, the whole clinic environment and the other employees there and how satisfied they are. And just, if you can really see yourself in that clinic, because that's really what's going to go like work for you in the long run and keep you, you know, avoid yourself from being burned out because you don't really enjoy the environment where you're working. Cause that's to me, like the biggest thing, it's not necessarily the, like the population of patients. It's more of like, like the coworkers that you're surrounded by and just the environment you work in and just the personality that, that just goes a real long way versus an extra five to 10,000, you know, each year. Yeah. I, I think that's amazing advice for current uh, PT students. Like people are about to take the MPT coming up in April for some States. And I think it's, it's going to be a real struggle for some people to make that decision. Like, where do you go? And so appreciated advice. And now, so you are a CI now. So why did you want to do that? And what kind of got you into it? Yeah, so somehow, I guess my boss trusted me to be a CI. And uh, now I'm a CI. Um, it's awesome. I absolutely love it. I love teaching people. I, I don't know if I'd want to become a professor one day, uh, maybe down, down the road, because I do love treating so much. But I think the biggest thing that I love about being a CI is just being able to, you know, instill the, the knowledge in other people, whether you're like in y'all shoes, like your first year students and just guide, guide you guys along the way and just, just seeing y'all grow and learn from mistakes and failures and different experiences. And you just get to learn so much in such a short period of time, because really on your clinicals is where you learn most of your stuff. Sorry. I hate to say it. We, we might leave that one out of the podcast, but um, that's where you learn most of your stuff and just being able to just, just see the student grow and just like educate them on the, you know, why you're progressing different exercises this way or why you're doing certain like hands-on techniques and have them actually take their hands and guide behind you and feel it and ask the patient, you know, does that feel similar to what he was doing? Just, just that interaction and just, just learning experience for the student and just to see them just grow so much and, you know, a six, eight, 10 week period. It's just, absolutely amazing. And, and then hopefully one day, you know, if they had a good experience with having a good CI, that kind of, that I had, I mean, I was blessed with like four or five amazing CIs. And I think that's part of the reason I became a CI as well is when a CI makes it more enjoyable for you and doesn't like tear you down and break you down, which unfortunately is what some of them do. And 
I, I don't know why they're CIs these days, but that are that way, but they should instead, instead be uplifting and encouraging because, you know, a lot of this stuff, the student doesn't know and they're not expected to know it. So um, you have to be careful with how you, you know, you're teaching them and educating them. But just to, you know, if they end up, I guess my ultimate goal would be to see, you know, my student Jasmine right now, who's part of Smart Success, and I already know her and she's at North Georgia. Um, just if I, if I could see her grow to become an amazing physical therapist, which I know she will be already, and just be a part of that and see her grow to become a CI herself one day and then do it to the next generation. I mean, that's what it's all about. I mean, that's what, I mean, that's why I love just talking to people like you guys and physical therapy students. It's just amazing just to kind of, kind of get you guys ahead of the curve because, you know, I, I was clueless in PT school. I was clueless. And if I had the knowledge I have had now, or at least accelerated it in PT school, man, I'd be ahead of the curve. So yeah, just that, that's, that's, a huge part of the reason I became a CI. So you said you had some amazing CIs and that's really great, especially on, you know, it sounds like most of your clinical rotations, something that you learned from them. I think that's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> what made them good CIs? Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. There was uh, several instances, uh, the reasons that they were you know, really good CIs. One thing I can think of in particular is I want to say it was my third clinical and I was at a benchmark here in, in Georgia and my CI, we would, we would do like an, an evaluation on a patient and he would kind of let me take, take the reins. Cause I was in my second year of PT school and I would go in and do the eval like on my own. And I would tell him, you know, do subjective, you know, objective measurements and kind of assess where they're at as far as, you know, what their injury is and everything. And then after that, um, we would kind of take like a five minute break. Maybe we put a hot pack on them or something before we started treatment and we would go back and, and like the, in a private room and he would like kind of quiz me and kind of ask me, okay, so what'd you find? Like, you know, what do you, what do you think it is diagnosis wise? If it's not like on the script from the doctor, it really instilled that clinical decision-making skills as, and as well as like differential diagnosis. And, you know, he would ask me, you know, why, like, why, why would you do that exercise? Like he always challenged me and asked me, you know, why I chose a certain treatment you know, why I think it's that based on a cer certain test I did, why did I do that test versus this one. And that was just a really, that was a really awesome learning experience because it, it really, you know, guided me and showed me how to do a proper eval. And it just really helped me now to where I am today. And that was like one of the big things that really stuck out. Like on my fifth clinical, there was another CI that did the same thing. He would, he would challenge me, but it would be like in an uplifting way. He would ask me, you know, why, why are you doing this? You know, why are you doing that? And, and at that time I thought he was trying to like tear me down, but he really wasn't. He was trying to get me to learn. So another thing on my first clinical, and I know Sarah and Gabby are Gabby's in her clinical right now, had her first full day today. Congrats. I know it's a lot of work, but on my first clinical, my CI really challenged me and kind of got me, extremely uncomfortable because I'll be honest, I had no idea what I was doing. I was just finished my first year of PT school, didn't have any orthopedics classes or cardio palm or anything. And there was a, a total knee, a knee patient like sitting in the eval room. And he said like, I, it was like my beginning of my second week and I was still like nervous and confused about everything. And he's like, he handed me the clipboard. He's like, all right, here you go. Here's your first eval. And I'm like, uh, what? I was like, I was like, no, like, I'm not doing it. He's like, he's like, dude, you're doing it. He had to push me. And I, I was like, I, I really hated him then. But like now looking back, 
him pushing me over the edge there to kind of like let me fly, fly solo was like really beneficial for me. And I think now, like as a CI today, I use that a lot with Jasmine. I'm like, here, I'm like, just go for it. Like, I don't care if you don't know what you're doing. Like, this is where you learn. And then you go back and you talk about it after, or like later on in the day or at lunch. And that's, that's something that, that my CIs did a few things that, that really just, just helped me grow like as a clinician to where I am today. Yeah, that's really amazing advice. And I think that that's what makes you a better, a better clinician in the, in the long run, like you said, just learning in these experiences. And yeah, you're with patients and you're um, doing evals, but at the end of the day, it's going to be, you know, the best learning experience that you could ever have. Now, one thing I want to know with you, what would you recommend to a student if, say, they don't have a great CI and a CI doesn't challenge them and they're kind of, and granted, like, if it's their first or second rotation too, if there's anything you would say to that? You're saying only if they're not challenging them enough or if they're being, like, just giving you the whole schedule? So if they're... So what would you tell a student um, if their CI is not challenging them enough or not asking them questions? Like, how would you approach your CI to say like, hey, can you kind of challenge me more or ask me more questions? Like, would you just approach that and say, I need this learning? Yeah. So, so what I would do in that situation is, I'm just thinking of a, a few examples. So if it's something with like just how you do like a, an initial evaluation when you're evaluating a patient for the first time, if he, if they're not being challenging enough to you, I, I would kind of do what, what the, my former CI did with me and approach your current CI and say, Hey, you know, like I, I feel like I'm ready to do like an evaluation on my own or at least want to try one. And then maybe I can do the subjective part, start off slow and you can you know critique me on how I'm doing that and then go back and kind of talk with them. Okay. Like what could I have improved on? And, but you have to take the initiative because there are some CIs that aren't as motivated and they, in my opinion, shouldn't be CIs, but you have to take the initiative yourself as a student and it's going to be, it's going to suck. It's going to be uncomfortable, but you don't learn and change if you're not uncomfortable. So you have to take that initiative and just approach them in a nice way and say, Hey, I wouldn't necessarily say like, Hey, like I'm here to learn. Like I want to learn, but say, Hey, like, can we try a few different things? Maybe try a few, like, I want to learn, you know, I'm really don't feel comfortable with, you know, the neck or the shoulder. Like, can we work on a few, like, like I saw you doing this with a patient, like, can, can we work on some of those mobilizations or you know, stretching of whatever? And, and that way that can kind of get on the same page as you. But, but the biggest thing, it starts off from, from like when you first start your clinical, you know, you have, they, you have to let them know like what your baseline is, where you're at, because like, honestly, most of them don't know because they've been out of the game for so long. They've been a PT for 25 years. They have to know where you're at and they have to know like what your goals are. And you need to constantly communicate that with them and say, Hey, you know, I know we wrote down as my goal. Like I really want to work on, you know, just a low back evaluation or a, a cervical or neck evaluation. Like, is there any way we can start practicing some more of those examples? Because that's something I really struggle with. And I feel like if I could leave this clinical and no A, B, C, D, like I would really feel much more confident as a clinician. I, that's kind of how I would approach it, honestly. Yeah, and I'm sure you've had a lot of interesting experiences being a CI. And what would be a unique experience from your perspective on, you know, some situation you might have had with a student underneath you? 
I would say a unique situation that happened, I think it happened yesterday or the day before, is when your student is starting to get, you know, a little bit more comfortable, like in the clinic, and they've been kind of doing like easier, you know, no offense, but like, you know, some total knee evals, like a total hip, you know, on their first visit. And it's like simple cases, not very complex cases. And then, then you have a patient that comes in, and this might be the, the mean part of the CIME, but I know it's going to help them grow because it was, it's what was done to me. But we've had several like complex patients come in lately and I just throw, I just throw them at the student. I'm like, here, like, this is where you learn, like, this is going to challenge you. And there was a, there's a lady who came in, you know, as a student, because I, I remember you're looking at the patient, you know, while you're in PT school and you're on your clinical and you have this, this knowledge of like, I got to do this test, this test, this, 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 it's all like check mark, check mark, check mark. And you give a pay, um, a student, a really complicated patient. And there was a lady who was very, very like high level and she, she just had like, like a, a wound issue. Like we're in an orthopedic setting and she had like a wound issue. And the student was looking for all these different like muscle weaknesses. And I'm like, look, like you got to challenge her. So like if you give them a co more complex case, like that's where it really throws them off and really forces them to learn. Cause it's not the simple, like, Oh, check this range of motion, check this strength. It actually becomes a little bit more in depth and complicated. So I would say that that wound patient that was very high level CrossFitter was, was one that was very challenging and very unique. My question is kind of the reverse. So say you have a CI who just throws you into everything. How do you confront them about that? If you are not like prepared, I mean, the worst comes to worst because this has happened to a lot of, I want to say like my first year in PT school on our first clinical, you know, we come back in class and I want to say there was five, six people where they were just like thrown the schedule on day two. Like doesn't matter what setting they're in, sniff, acute care peds it doesn't matter and I was like really I was like I'll see in like two to four max by the end of it so yeah that, that terrifies me but that someone would actually do that what I recommend in that case is if it's really bad and you really feel like you're doing something wrong or a wrongdoing and causing maybe harm because you it's one thing to feel like not comfortable but one thing to be thrown under the bus there and your CI is just chilling on their, on their computer doing nothing in that case and this, this happened a lot in our program, but contact back to your CCCE or whatever you call them at your school, have them contact the CI and have a conversation with them. That way they can the big, the big boys can kind of talk about it and say, Hey, like we're concerned about this. Maybe they'll call the director of the hospital or of the PT department in the hospital, the supervisor and say, Hey, we're having like an issue here. Um, even before you even bring it up, like to your, um, you know, your, your CI that kind of throws you under the bus, but that would be worst case scenario if it's really that bad, if it's, if you feel comfortable, but maybe it's, you know, still a little bit too much outside of your comfort zone that you, you want some more guidance, you know, just, just ask, say, you know, I really don't feel comfortable. I, I would like you to like sit in on an eval with me and, and kind of see how I do things and correct me as much or as little as you need to. And just, just be honest with them. I mean, they're, they signed up to be a clinical instructor for a reason. They should be there to support you and help you. Um, but just, just approach them in a nice way and don't say, Hey, look, like, what are you doing, dude? Uh, just to say, Hey, like, uh, I, if you don't mind, like, would you mind hanging out with me while I do this treatment or this manual technique or, or whatever? Just cause I really don't feel comfortable and I feel like I'm harming the patient. So I just would, would, it'd be nice if you could like stay here and watch me just to make sure I'm doing everything okay and safely.
Yeah, I think that's really important. And, you know, especially if it's your first or second clinical, I mean, you want to be challenged, but if you have a CI who's just throwing you in and not observing what you're doing, then there's a problem with that. And I think, unfortunately, it's more common than you might expect. So you kind of going over, you know, how to handle when you are in that situation is going to be super valuable, maybe to Gabby and I one day, who knows, maybe to, you know, half the people listening to this, because you have a lot of clinicals throughout PT school. So the odds are maybe, unfortunately, one of those might not go quite how you expect. Absolutely. And I hope, I really hope that doesn't happen to many people listening to this or the two of y'all, but there's always that chance. You never know. Yeah, no, there's good one. There's good CIs and there's not so great CIs. So it, it just happens. But kind of going off from that, what, what advice would you give to current PT students? Oh, man, where, where to start? <laughs> um, kind of like I said earlier, the, when taking your first job, don't look at just the salary and the benefits. Um, there's probably gonna be a lot of things I'm going to mention. So just bear with me. Yeah, so don't look at, at just the money. Look at the environment where you're working. Look at the other employees, how happy they are. Look at the retention rate. Are they leaving after a year, two years? Are they are all the PTs there? PTs there? Just ask them, you know, how long have you been here? Oh, I've been here 13, 15 years. That's a good sign. So that that's one of the most important things. Don't freak out about your student loans. You're going to have them. It's just part of it. Um, there's always chances to you know, work a couple jobs when you come out of school, maybe have like a little side business, a side hustle, maybe do some nutrition or personal training on the side. There's always something there that you can do to help assist with those student loans. If you need, if you have issues with student loans, someone who's really good, two people who are really good with finances are um, Joseph Reinke and he's part of FitBucks. He actually helped me refinance my student loans. So in the end, I think I'm saving 13 to 15 grand. Um, just based on interest rates and stuff. And then, and then Will, Will Butler is another good person as well. Also, when you come out of school, when you first start working, you know, know that you're not going to know everything and you're going to feel really uncomfortable. And I would just say, I got this advice from a, a Tennessee Physical Therapy Association conference, and I'll never forget it. I've said it so many times in different podcasts, but just fake it till you make it. Because some stuff you're, you're just not going to know everything. You might have to Google it. You might have to go home and do research and you'll learn more about it. You might not be able to read the doctor's handwriting and know exactly what they want, but that's also part of your learning as well. That's all I can think of for now, but they'll, I'm sure other stuff will pop up. No, I think that was such great advice. And I think just realizing, obviously you're not going to know everything and being okay with the uncomfortable part of that. Like that's just to be expected and you're just going to have to handle it when you get to that point. Yeah. The, another thing I just remembered. So when, like when you first graduate, everyone, everyone always asks, you know, what, like, what's the best CEU courses I can take? Like what's, what's the best manual treatments I can do? You know, all that is, is very, very important. And I'll kind of come back to that part later, but the, the most important thing is like your communication skills and your ability to connect with a patient because just to be very blunt, they're not going to pay you, you know, 75, 100, 150 bucks each time they come into physical therapy as a copay. If you haven't like communicated with them, like here's what's going on with you. I know exactly why, or I have a pretty good idea why, 
and I have a really good idea of how, how we're going to get you better and you display that confidence, they're not, they're going to be like, Oh, I don't trust this person. I don't care. DPT, CSCS, I don't care what they have behind their name, man, certification wise, you have to connect with them and really let them know that you understand like what their condition is and how you're going to help them. And all the other CEU courses come in after that. Cause if you can't communicate with them and get them to build their trust in you, then it doesn't matter what certifications you have. And as far as your CEUs that you're maybe like your exercise courses or your manual therapy courses, your, your first two to three years out of school is that's really where like the foundation of you being a PT is. So all those courses you take in those first two to three, four years, most likely stuff's going to come on like later on, um, that the new treatment techniques, but that's kind of your bread and butter and that's what you're going to stick with. And that, that's how your, your foundation for helping and treating people. So really do your research on, you know, what CU courses you decide to go to, you know, what's worth going to that you've heard good things about, um, and, and stuff that you see and you feel and you're like, wow, like the, yeah, I feel like this, like I could feel that I could feel what they're doing. I thought that that really helped that patient that helped them feel better. And, and then you end up sticking with that to PT students that are on their clinicals right now in school to have several clinicals left. Just take, take your clinicals with a grain of salt because every, every single clinical you go on is going to be a little bit different. No one's going to do it the same. doesn't matter where you go. So take the good things that you learn from your clinicals, take the bad things and know, okay, you see the good things. Well, I, you know, you see some, I'd really like to, I love how they did that with that patient. Okay. Keep that up here and as a mental note and carry that and use that later on down the road when you're actually have your license and, and see the not so, I mean, the not so great things like, man, I can't believe they did that to that patient or I can't believe that they were, you know, bad mouth in that patient for like what they did. And, you know, you'll, you'll see the things that you like and don't like and take those and use that to help, you know, create your treatment style. If you want to call it that. So that, that's, that's probably the last thing I'd say is, is just really use your clinicals as a learning experience and, and how you're going to create your treatment style. Yeah. I think that was awesome advice, especially what you said at the end. I think that's, that's so key for students to hear <laughs> and us included. <laughs> I just want to hear, you know, where can students contact you if they do have questions or like, you know, questions about CI stuff and how to handle that? Where can they find you on social media or however to contact you best? Yeah. So um, if they want to reach out to me, um, my Facebook is Andrew Tyler. My name's Andrew Nieberg. I just changed it to my middle name like forever ago and I kept it when that trend was a thing. So um, it's Andrew Tyler on Facebook. And on Instagram, it's uh, Fresh Physio Doc, and the podcast we have is Fresh PT Podcast. If you want to uh, email us, you can email me at at a k n e e b u r g at gmail dot com. Um, but really, Facebook and Facebook Messenger, just shoot me a request on Facebook. Message me whatever question you want. I'm very willing to help. That's kind of why we made the podcast is just help other PT students and, and new grads who are struggling with you know, things like burnout and they're just not happy with their career or they just don't know, they don't feel confident or comfortable with where they're at. So, um, I'm, I'm always willing to help just a, a message or a phone call away. I'll even give you my number and you can text me. So always willing to help. So that's where you can find me. Yes. We appreciate it so much. And we'll put all of, um, all of that in the show notes, but we thank you so much, Andrew, for coming on 
this was much needed. I know for so many students, but for us as well. Yeah, um, I'm just like I said at the beginning. I'm just just thankful and grateful that y'all y'all brought me on. Uh, I I I feel like probably how our guests feel on our podcast that all you're doing is like rambling and talking. That's kind of how I felt, but hopefully someone can uh, get some value from this. So. Oh, they will for sure. And I know it's probably so weird to be on the other end, but you did wonderful. I think people will get so much out of it. We thank you for coming on today. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to Gratitude, the grad school guide for student physical therapists. If you like our show and want to know more, check out our Instagram and Facebook page linked in the description.